Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. Thanks for tuning in today. I really appreciate you. This program is about educating seniors and their caregivers, helping them make informed decisions. This is a trusted place for you and your family. If you have questions, visit online at Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, Senior Care Live, And now, Myth versus Fact. Okay, so I want to explain the misuse of the term memory care. Now, I was going to get into more detail last week, and I just flat out ran out of time. So, So here we go. So the myth is that the term memory care, when used at the assisted living level, is somehow a higher level of care. Remember, I I talked about that last week, and there are people who go into assisted living, just general care, and then if they need more care, uh, unfortunately, some places are moving that resident to the memory care portion of the building or the memory care neighborhood to get a little extra help even if that resident has no cognitive issues whatsoever. And remember, I kind of of jumped up and down and yelled about that last week. Uh, So so that's just, that's not the right thing to do. Uh, And and so by by saying, oh, well, that's okay, we can just move to memory care, they're kind of implying that's a, a different level of care, but it's just incorrect. Memory care is a type of specialized care that can be offered at five different levels of care. Okay, so you could have memory care at that residential care level of care. You could have memory care at the assisted living level of care. You could have memory care at home plus level of care. You could have memory care at the intermediate care facility level of care. And, of course, you could have memory care at the long-term care level of care, also known as a nursing home. So this is how I see it. This is how I break it down. And, frankly, I just try to speak in English very, very plainly so that it's very easy for everyone to understand. No double speak, no double talk here. The level of care is tied to the licensure of the building or the organization, and that dictates the care that you can and cannot provide. This is really, really simple. So if someone is at the assisted living level of care, and they imply that their memory care is a higher level of care, they are wrong. It is still the assisted living level of care, and it's simply a special type of care for cognitively impaired residents, maybe with Alzheimer's or dementia or other forms of memory loss. And that care would be delivered at that assisted living level of care, and that is all according to the licensure driving what they cannot and what they can offer. So the myth is that memory care is a higher level of care 
but memory care is not a level of care at all. It's a type of care that can be provided at five different levels of care, and that's a fact. For more information about the facts, stay tuned to this program or contact Senior Care Consulting at 913-945-2800 or visit SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right, so let's talk about what it is to be a caregiver. And I've had a lot of people who are really confused by this, they, they may not even agree. <laughs> so uh, I've given a lot of presentations here lately. I've been contacted by a number of organizations asking to do a podcast and just asking about senior care consulting and senior care live. And you know, how did you start that? And tell us about you know the business model and how do you differentiate with competition, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's been really, really interesting. And uh, and then I've been giving you know a lot of presentations over Zoom. Uh, I'd prefer to do that in person, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's Zoom for now and, and into the near future here. But during the presentations, many times I'll talk about being a caregiver and you know what exactly does that mean. So I, I think it's really really obvious if you're providing hands-on physical care with your elderly loved one. It could be your spouse, it could be your parents, your grandparents, or any elderly loved ones. If you're helping them you know, with their bathing and getting dressed and their grooming and, and some of those you know, physical, you know, hands-on, helping them uh, transfer from point A to point B, get out of bed and into their wheelchair or over to their walker or on and off the toilet or in and out of the shower, hands-on physical care. That's pretty obvious at that point that you are a caregiver, but let's let's uh, let's back up. Let's back up and ask the question: Are you a caregiver? Well, let me ask you a question here. Do you do lawn work, provide snow removal, or perform house repairs for your elderly loved one? If you answered yes then believe it or not, you are a caregiver. This is the maybe the, the, the early days or the very beginning. Well, well, Steve, I, I'm, I'm just helping out. I'm just helping out dad around the house. It's no big deal. Well, and, and that's great. And, and, and I help, you know, my mom as well. And, and that, that's just what we do. If we're, if we're good people, we're, we're taking care of our, our elders and we're making sure uh, that their, their lawn is, is kept up and, and the snow is scooped and the, and the house repairs are being made. But that is the initial part of being a caregiver. So another question, do you perform household chores and do some cleaning, maybe wash the windows, do you help out with laundry? Maybe maybe you're doing some dusting and uh, maybe cleaning. If you have a, a ceiling fan, uh, I don't know how this happens, but dust builds up on those blades, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm still not sure if that thing's moving around that fast. I'm not sure how dust builds up on that, but it does. You're cleaning the fan blades on the on the ceiling fans and some of those household chores. Maybe you're you're vacuuming or you're scrubbing the floors. If you do any of those, then guess what? Congratulations, you are a caregiver. Yeah, but Steve, yeah, I'm just helping mom out. It's just no big deal. I, I know, I understand, and, and you are just helping mom out. I help my mom out too. Uh, and and it is, it's, it is, it's no big deal, but guess what? 
this is the beginning of being a caregiver. You are a caregiver. So another question, do you provide transportation to medical appointments? Maybe you provide transportation to go grocery shopping or you know run up to Walmart or Target to, to pick up some stuff. Maybe you help with trips to and from the pharmacy. Maybe you help with transportation, maybe to and from church or over to a friend's house or whatever is needed. If you provide transportation to any of these areas for any of these reasons, guess what? Yes, you are a caregiver. <laughs> so, well, Steve, I don't, I don't know if I, if I agree with all that sort of thing. Well, I, it's okay. You don't have to agree, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, yes, you, you are a caregiver. These are the early days of providing care, and you're a good person for doing that <laughs> and, and helping out. Okay, now we're getting a little more involved here, a little more involved. Do you help out paying bills? So you're looking at the you know electric bill and the water bill and, and the cable bill and the phone, you know, phone, all these sort of things, medical bills, etc. Do you help out paying bills, writing checks for those things or paying them online? Maybe you keep your parents' checkbook or you keep up their bank statements and that sort of thing, helping with taxes. Maybe you provide some meal preparation. Maybe make some meals and you can freeze them or just keep them. Maybe they'll they'll last for the next you know two or three days to be you know warmed up and that sort of thing. Maybe you help out with the pillbox, the weekly medications where you fill in you know the AM meds, the noon meds, the PM meds, so that all they have to do is just take the pills out of the Monday morning AM and, and take those, and that's their Monday morning medication. So maybe you do those sort of things. Well, congratulations, you are definitely a caregiver. And then, you know, just checking in with your parents, your, your elderly loved ones to see if they're okay and, and you're, you're at your workplace and then you stop and you think, well, I, wonder, I wonder if mom's okay. And, and you give her a call and, and you interrupt your work day and you're glad to do it. It's no, no problem at all. But, but you call your mom and you say, hey, mom, are you doing okay? Everything all right? Did you get, did you get your lunch? Um, okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah. Just heat that up in the microwave. And, and did you remember to take your, your noon medications? Okay, that's great. Don't forget to drink an extra glass of water. It's pretty warm out these days. We don't want you to get dehydrated. So that checking in with your parents and just following up, that is part of being a caregiver. And so congratulations, you are a caregiver, even if you're doing some of these very simple things like helping out with the lawn or household chores or transportation or paying a bill or making a meal. Those are part of being a caregiver. And this program is for you to help you become an even better and more informed caregiver. All right, let's not forget about our Senior Care Live question of the week. When living in a nursing home and on Medicaid, how much can you expect to receive from the CARES Act stimulus program? A, $1,200, B, $900, C, $600, or D, none of the above? I'll have the answer coming right up. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back.
Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget you can stream this program to any electronic device at SeniorCareLive.com and through the app Radio.com. Now back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. When living in a nursing home and on Medicaid, how much can you expect to receive from the CARES Act stimulus program? A, $1,200, B, $900, C, $600, or D, none of the above? And the answer is... A, $1,200. And so there is no worry about having too high of an income if you're in any state in our entire nation. If you're living in long-term care and you're qualified for Medicaid, you will receive $1,200. And in an upcoming episode, I will talk about what to do if you have not yet received your check. But that answer of $1,200 leads me to this. And now, Senior Care in the News. A news report from Steve Keeker, president of Senior Care Consulting. All right, so we have national reports warn of nursing homes trying to improperly claim residents' stimulus checks. And this is out of Topeka, Kansas. The Kansas Attorney General, Derek Schmidt, is urging Kansas to use caution with regard to federal COVID-19 stimulus checks amid national reports that some nursing homes have been trying to obtain ownership of the economic impact payments sent to their residents who are on Medicaid. That's why I tied this together with that Senior Care Live question of the week. This is really, really important. So the Federal Trade Commission has warned of facilities requiring that residents on Medicaid sign over their funds, claiming that because the person is on Medicaid, the facility is entitled to the payment. But Congress provided for the impact payments in the form of a tax credit, which under federal tax law, do not count as resources for the purposes of being eligible for federal benefit programs such as Medicaid. Because of this classification, nursing homes cannot assert a right to the payment merely because the resident is on Medicaid. Any Kansan who has had their stimulus checks improperly claimed by a nursing home may file a complaint with the Attorney General's Consumer Protection Division at 1-800-432-2310. You could also go online. They have a specific web address here, inyourcornerkansas.org. That's kind of interesting, inyourcornerkansas.org. And in Missouri, The Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt has stated the exact same thing and asks if you have been compelled to hand over your stimulus checks to a nursing home, assisted living community, 
or residential care community, contact the Attorney General Consumer Protection Hotline at 1-800-392-8222. Or you could contact the Medicaid Fraud Hotline at 1-800-286-3932. And then just to add to that news story, each Medicaid qualified resident uh, that received a stimulus check for $1,200 has up to 12 full months to spend that money and not have it counted as an asset. So you're going to want to get that done in the first 12 months. That would be pretty easy to do, right? (laughs) So what could you spend that money on? Well, anything that you might need. You could pay some bills. Uh, You can spend it on something you may need, such as a new wheelchair or maybe a new television uh, or some new bedding, some new clothing. Maybe it's time for a new reclining chair or maybe it's time to purchase one of these lift chairs that will lift you up into a uh, partially standing position to help you kind of get in and out of your chair. You can buy hearing aids, whatever you need. And remember, be sure to spend that $1,200 within the first 12 months of receiving that check. And if you do, then there shouldn't be any problems with that whatsoever. So how about that? All right, so uh, I've been uh, contacted here recently by uh, several businesses wanting to do podcasts. I mentioned that earlier, and uh, I'm I'm asked the same question. Well, Steve, you know, with Senior Care Consulting, you help families and individuals find the right senior care community. But, you know, when should you move? from your home to a senior care community. And I always say, well, first of all, congratulations. That is the most frequently asked question that I've received and answered since 2002. And and it's a tough question. When should we move? And so I like to say that, I mean, sometimes it's very clear. It is very black and white, cut and dry, no problem. Oh boy, yep, it's time to move. But usually, there's some gray to it. Sometimes it's not at all clear. You don't want to move too late. You don't want to move too soon. So I like to say that the following things should trigger the conversation of considering moving from your home to a senior care community. And number one would involve a safety issue when it is no longer safe to live at home. And there are some real obvious examples of that. Leaving the stovetop burners on is, uh, gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that one, <laughs> whether it's electric or gas. Now, the good news, that's pretty easy to fix. Uh, you can uh, you know, turn off the gas. You can unplug the stove or flip the, the, the circuit breaker to that to where the power doesn't flow there and basically render that inoperable. And so that's a pretty easy one to fix. But I'll tell you what, it's a major safety issue uh, many times. Some other examples, falling victim to financial abuse. That's another obvious major safety issue. Wandering away. So you walk out of the home 
And, and, and maybe you get in your car and drive away or you walk away. You can't find your way back home, uh, usually because there's some memory issues involved there. And that's what triggers all of these silver alerts that you see on social media and in the news uh, or maybe scrolling across the bottom of your screen. There's a silver alert. Usually these things end up OK. Sometimes they end in tragedy. And I always, every single silver alert that I see on my social media, I immediately post and share because you never know, someone may be able to help out there. Uh, not taking your medications on time or maybe even at all, that's another major safety risk. And then of course, you know, frequent falls, injuries at home, frequent hospitalizations, all of those things would go into uh, the number one reason to consider moving from your home to a senior care community when it is no longer safe for you to live at home. And coming right up, I'll discuss the other three reasons that should trigger the conversation of when to consider moving from your home to a senior care community. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. And don't forget to check out our podcast of every recent episode of this program. All right, so back to the most commonly asked question in the past 18 years, my goodness. <laughs> when is the right time to consider moving from your home to a senior care community and the number one reason has to do with safety when it is no longer safe to live at home. And then number two, and I would call this a close number two, maybe even a 1A. And this one is huge and it's so important. When the caregiver's health begins to decline. So we're talking about your health and your well-being. We're talking about your mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, and of course, your physical health. And you, you just absolutely cannot do that. You have to take care of yourself. Uh, stress is such a powerful force. It will absolutely just take you down. And unfortunately, uh, it could do worse than that. So I can't tell you how many times I have met with the family and what's happened is, you know, one, this is probably most prevalent with, with one elderly spouse caring for another elderly spouse. And that's when I see this is the, the biggest impact. So you have this person caring for their spouse. They love them beyond measure. They'll do anything for them. And so what they do is they just pour out everything that they have into providing great care. And, and that's fantastic. But at what cost? At what cost? What you usually see happen is someone puts all of their needs second or all of their personal needs on the back burner. And, oh, I don't need to go see my doctor. I can see them some other time. 
and a year passes or two years pass and they haven't seen their doctor. That is, that's a real dangerous thing to happen. Or, you know, the girls will just have to get along without me at our at our coffee club or our book club. Uh, I'll, I'll be fine. Maybe I can go next week. And then next week never happens. And now you've missed out on some really important social opportunities that you were involved in. Well, you know, I, I, I'd really like to make it to church. But, you know, one of these days, you know, maybe in the next month or two, maybe I can get out and go to church. And all of a sudden that never happens. And now you're isolated from uh, your church family and from the word. And that is, that's not a good thing. And, and you don't get any breaks and you don't see your doctor and you put everything off and the stress is just piling up and just keeps piling up and piling up. And at some point it is this crushing powerful force. And unfortunately, I've seen many caregivers pass away due to the high level of stress of being a caregiver. They pass away before the person they're caring for. And now that's a really tragic situation because now you've completely defeated the purpose. You're not here to watch over this person that you care about and you love so much. You're not here to make sure that they're getting cared for and they're getting the right nutrition and, and they're being treated well and all those sort of things. So you cannot do that. So if you have a caregiver begin to decline, now you have two people de in decline and this cannot go on very long. It just cannot. It just can't go on very long at all. And so that's when we talk about bringing in home care, bringing in respite support, calling in the troops, family and friends, and giving mom or dad a break or the caregiver. It could be a son or a daughter. And, and you have to give them a break and they have to recharge their battery in all of these different areas and in, in physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, all of those things combine uh, to, to really help a person be a great caregiver. So if you see that happening, that should trigger the conversation of considering moving from your home to a senior care community. Okay, number three, when the cost of in-home care becomes too expensive. Now, you know, for as long as I've done this radio program, I am a huge, huge supporter and advocate uh, and cheerleader of of the home care services. I just think home care services are absolutely invaluable. And just to get a little bit of a break, you know, you might have a home care provider come in maybe once or twice a week for three or four hours, and maybe that's the difference that you need. Maybe that's the difference maker. And maybe that will allow you to continue caring for your loved one for maybe years to come. Or maybe that might escalate to every day for four hours in the morning. Or, you know, when I really need help is at nighttime. I'm tired and I need to kind of shut everything down and help my loved one to bed and, and get them tucked in. And then I'm just going to boom. I'm just going to pass out. But I need that extra help during the evening. Okay, well, that's okay. Then that's when you call in some help and you bring in a home care provider to help you do that. But when home care becomes a necessity every hour of the day, and that level rises to that 24-hour-a-day home care uh, assistance bringing in that help, 
then then that gets that gets very expensive. And, and if you can afford it, that's fantastic. You you have a very good situation where you can afford the twenty four hour care. And uh, and and you can you know, your loved one can remain at home. That's fantastic. Maybe you can afford it for a while, but maybe not for too long. Uh, but some people cannot afford this at all because it gets very very expensive. You're looking at anywhere of you know twelve or thirteen thousand dollars a month, upwards of maybe fifteen sixteen thousand dollars per month, if it rises to the level of twenty four hours. And a lot of people. Uh, they just they they can't. That's just not affordable, uh, or maybe it's not affordable for a very long period of time. So when the cost of in-home care becomes too expensive, then maybe that triggers that conversation of moving or transitioning from your home to a senior care community. And then last but not least. When the care that you provide is just not enough, you just can't keep up, your loved one needs more and more care, and you're trying to take care of this, and you're just not able to meet their needs, I like to ask a really, really simple question. Why not consider changing your role from the caregiver to the care manager? Well, Steve, what do you mean by that? What, what do you mean? Care, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? So why not consider changing your role from the caregiver to the care manager? Meaning together we can go out and we can find a great provider. We can, we can find a, a, an excellent senior care community that will provide that heavy lifting, that hands-on care that you have been providing and doing a great job for so long. So let them deal with the stress of the shower time or the stress of figuring out, you know, what to make for the meal or the stress of helping your loved one get dressed or, you know, all of those, uh, the, the stress, I'll tell you what, it's pretty tough to give someone a shower or a bath, especially if they may not want one. <laughs> right. So that's that's really hard work. And, and and you have water involved and you can slip and fall. And that, that that's a tough one right there. Let some professional providers do that. Let let they have caregivers who are trained in doing that. And and they in many, many places, not all places, but many places provide excellent hands-on care. So find a senior care community to provide that hands-on care. And then guess what? The stress still isn't over. It isn't over. You're still going to be stressed because you're not totally sure if they can really do the job. You're trusting them, but you need to now see it for yourself in person. So it's going to take, there's a little bit of a transition period. They're getting used to you and your loved one. Your loved one's getting used to a new environment. You're getting used to uh, really giving up your hands-on caregiver role, which, by the way, that's that's a tough one to give up. That's a hard one to give up. Well, they're not going to do as good of a job as I did. Well, give them a chance. And once you see that they're doing a good job, and this could take a week or two or three or maybe even a month, but once you're comfortable and you say, hey, you know what? They are doing a good job uh, helping, you know, get my husband up in the morning and, and their, their food's pretty good. I, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't sure, but you know what? I've eaten there and I, I thought, I think it's pretty good. My husband seems to like it. 
and and they're giving his medicine on time. Really important to do that. I was kind of a stickler about that, where they're doing a good job with that. And so at that point then, now there's a trust, there's a trust level, and now you are transitioning back to your, more towards your original role of the loving spouse, the loving son, the loving daughter. Uh, in my case, the loving grandson. Okay, and you can go back to more of that traditional role, while at the same time, you're going to be transitioning from being that caregiver, that hands-on care provider, and transitioning to becoming the care manager and being an advocate for your loved one. Manage their care. Make sure the staff knows everything about your loved one and what to serve them and what they don't like to eat and if they have any allergies and when they like to get up and what what's their favorite uh, you know TV program to watch or what's their favorite music or activity or hobby or interest. Just advocate for your loved one, manage their care, and then you can be uh, more in your traditional role of that loving family member. And that covers the top four reasons on when to consider moving from your home to a senior care community. And I'll have some more information that you will definitely want to hear. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about this program, just visit Senior Care Live, L I V E, SeniorCareLive.com. All right, so once you've made the decision, to transition from your home to a senior care community. We're gonna skip a great big giant part of actually finding the right one. Maybe I'll talk about that here in the next few weeks. But once you've found a place and you've moved in, this is really important information to know how to maximize care available at any senior care community that you may choose. So, uh, you know, choosing the right one is, of course, you know, critically important. But then how do you get the how can you attain that best experience and how do you get the most out of the care that is available? So I'm going to go through some steps here today. And I'll say that every single senior care consulting client uh, gets a copy of this, how to maximize your care at a senior care community, because, you know, we help our families on the front end with that search and selection process. But once they move in, we want to make sure that they could also have the best experience possible. And this is part of that effort. So number one, participate in care in the care planning process. And so, you know, what is a care plan? Well, that is a unique plan of care developed very specifically for your loved one. And it has everything, everything in it is custom tailored to them. You know, they like to get up early. They like to sleep in late. They're a night owl. They go to bed early. This is what they like to eat. These are the activities. Uh, This is the clinical care that they're going to need. These are the areas of concern. It just goes on and on and on and on. This is the social, uh, some social information, uh, spiritual information. It's very, very thorough, but it is a comprehensive care plan 
plan and these care plans are updated frequently. And so uh, unfortunately, I have seen a lot of situations where the family is just not involved. Oh yeah, you got that care plan. All right, hey, yeah, keep up the good job. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> this is a, a significant opportunity for you, again, to be that care manager, be that care advocate and speak on behalf of your elderly loved one. And so part of that care planning process would involve your opportunity for input. And if they have something wrong or you need to update or change something in that care plan, that is your chance to do so. So don't don't miss out on care plans. Don't miss out on them. You can join them by a conference call. Of course, you can do it in person. Now, that's during normal time. <laughs> right now, you know, you might be able to join them on a Zoom virtual meeting, but somehow, some way, you need to participate in that. Okay? And then, you know, number two, and some of these seem a little bit elementary, and they are, but guess what? A lot of people don't do this. So that's why I've written this down in in our handout to our clients, how to maximize care to senior care community. Number two, get involved and visit your loved one frequently and participate in the family council or family support groups. If those things are available, you volunteer to assist in outings or special events or, you know, put up decorations, help, uh, you know, dish up the Thanksgiving meal or the Christmas meals or, you know, whatever it might be, help hand out candy at Halloween time or uh, you know, celebrate various uh, holidays. But just get involved and you know what just like we got we got involved with our kids in some of their you know some of their things that they they would do at school it's kind of the same idea but now we're doing this for our elderly loved ones uh, number three build relationships I cannot overemphasize this it is really important to develop a positive and personal relationship with the staff at your community, especially with the hands-on caregiving staff, such as the CNAs and the CMAs, and particularly the CNAs. And the CNAs provide the most hands-on assistance uh, throughout the day for your loved one. And, and here's, here's a challenge that you need to expect. Everybody's all hung up on, oh, what's your turnover rate and all this kind of stuff. Well, most places don't know their turnover rate, so it might just be an educated guess. But I will tell you that statistics say that in most states, the CNA's turnover rate is 150%. Now, it could vary from state to state, but the bottom line is it's a minimum of a hundred percent. So, so what you need to expect is develop a personal, uh, friendly relationship with the hands-on caregivers. Get it? Ask them. You know, how's your husband doing? How's your wife doing? How are your How are your children's and uh, your, your children doing? In 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 did your did your son get the part in the play? Just all of those sort of things. Uh, and just build that relationship with them and a relationship of trust, but also expect to have to rebuild that with new incoming staff. And so that that's just that's just part of the part of the the process. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that. 
Uh, and then communicate with management. So it's very important to frequently communicate with management, particularly, you know, the administrator or the director, uh, or and, and then, the, of course, on the health side of things, the director of nursing or the health services director. And uh, also feel free to communicate with other department heads and directors uh, as needed and advocate for your loved one. But be in constant, ongoing communication with them. Don't let things build up and then and then and then blow up. You, that's not a, that's not good. So constantly communicate with management. This is going to help you maximize your care and get the best experience. Uh, Number four, just be patient and reasonable. Uh, Most places are trying to get it right, and they're honestly trying to do the best job that they can. Uh, But, um, you know, sometimes it may take a while. Sometimes they may be doing something one way when you would prefer, maybe your loved one prefer another way. So, So, again, that's part of that advocacy and that care management and just and just talk to folks and and let them know so and help them get it right and and have some patience and and be reasonable about that okay and and that always reminds me of a story and this this was wild this was really really early on many 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 years ago I worked with the gentleman and he said, okay, I, I take care of my mom at home and, and I've never seen anything like this. And, and he cranks out this Excel spreadsheet at, you know, 959, you know, mother gets, uh, you know, hundred CCs of, of, of vitamin C and at 959 and 30 seconds, she's going to get her vitamin E. And then at 1001, we're going to start our exercises. And this is, and he had this da- thing down to this. I mean, this, oh boy, <laughs> This this schedule was OCD. I mean, it really was, uh, and he did a great job. But you know, he expected uh, the caregivers at the place that he chose. He expected them to follow his schedule. Well, that's not being reasonable. They're not going to follow your schedule, but they're going to do their very best. And so, uh, I get a call from the director of nursing saying, "Hey, you know, can you come in and kind of mediate a meeting? Uh, uh, if this guy doesn't back off a little bit, we're not going to be able to care for his mom." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, yeah, <laughs> I'll be there." And so we we had a really good conversation. Then he really did figure out, okay, well, that's how I did it at home. But I can see that they're going to do things a little bit differently, but they're going to get the job done here. Okay, I'm going to give that a chance. And guess what happened? It worked out to be a beautiful relationship. And to this day, many years after his mother has passed away, he volunteers to help other residents and other volunteers at this facility. So uh, just be patient and be reasonable. And, And if you have an issue, take it to management. And if not, you can report your issue to the state uh, of Kansas or Missouri or or whatever state you might be living in. Uh, but if you do these things, you can maximize your care in any senior care community that you choose. And I really hope that that, that helps you out. Uh, it's helped out hundreds and hundreds of our clients uh, here with Senior Care Consulting. So feel free to try any of those that you'd like. All right, I'm your host, Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. (laughs) 